Hello, City Church. My name is Jacob, and this is City Church Together for Friday, March 5th. At our church, we talk a lot about covenant membership. But what does it mean? What does it mean to commit to a church body? But today, we're beginning a six-part series that to answer that very question. In each episode, we'll have a conversation about one of our six covenant member pillars, and then talk with one of our covenant members about how living out those pillars has impacted their lives. Our first pillar is engage the worship gathering. We'll begin our episode hearing my conversation with lead pastor Trevor Atwood, and then we'll hear from Jenna Demumbrian, one of our covenant members. So let's jump into my conversation with Trevor. So Trevor, what does it mean for covenant members to engage the worship gathering? Yeah, obviously that is really important to us. We make it, you know, one of our six covenant member pillars. Like when we're when we're thinking about um, what is it, what do good covenant members do? Like just trying to boil it down to its simplest form. Um, we, you know, we have this is one of six of them. So whatever one divided by six is, like whatever that percentage works out to, multiply times a hundred. Um, and you, you get like it's like that's a big deal because there's lots of things that people could be doing. Um, and I know that um, in well, let me start with answering your question directly to engage in the worship gathering means to show up when we have worship gatherings on a regular basis. That's first. You can't really you can't really engage if you're not here and Mainly, it means to walk in the room and participate in what we are doing together um, as not as a consumer of goods or information or entertainment, but to contribute to it, again, as a participant and as a, you know, what we say at the weekender is as a cultivator, that you come in ready to cultivate. Now, what does that look like practically? Um, it looks like having your head up, looking around for people to speak to. Um, it looks like, and those people, um, yes, being your church family, but at the same time being people who um, you don't know. Um, it's looking for people who are um, sitting alone uh, or people who are off in the corner. Um, it's looking for people maybe who after the worship gathering look like they may have been affected emotionally in some way. Um, and it's not just welcoming, it's also being ready to pray with someone. Um, so when we talk about engaging the worship gathering, we're not just talking about attendance. It is certainly not less than attendance, but it's a lot more than attendance. It means showing up like someone showed up in your home. You know, if, se- if you've invited someone over, you're not just going to let them wander in and sort of go over to the fridge and find what they want to eat. Like, you're going to have planned for them, and you want to prepare for them and offer them something and give them conversation and hospitality. So engaging the worship gathering is having your head on a swivel, both lifting up to see God and looking around at others and how you can care for and meet others' needs. Yeah, and I, I think it, it coming to City Church, even as a college student, um, reframed the way that I view the worship gathering because um, since, you know, because of my background in worship leading, even in high school, I came in thinking, came to this small, you know, came from a mega church um, back uh, from where I'm from to here, and I said, 
oh man, like this, you know, this worship team is is good, but I mean, I can, I I I, I can, I can, I can give them something, you know, like and quickly realize like that's not the kind of, you know, the worship gathering was not, it wasn't, you know, uh, you know there weren't levels of hierarchy within the church. It wasn't like you start off in the youth band, then eventually you make it to the to the to the big stage was and it was a quick reminder that yeah like this is not for me to um you know consume people's affirmation but to contribute my voice in the seats like the the you know in the worship gathering here we are we don't see people as just butts and seats we see them as cultivators and um i think bringing people that like affirming that value in people and affirming God's spirit in them is what makes this worship gathering what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, one thing that's happening now with COVID that makes it difficult is, um, you know, we are, we're live streaming and that's important because we want to, we want, um, uh, you know, people who aren't able to be here, we want them to worship with us, but, um, but worship is, should be embodied and, you know, we, we want you in the room. And at the same time, you know, the challenge of, of watching something on a screen is it just, it's not the same. Um, and it can tend us towards um, understanding church as information disbursement. Um, uh, now, the, another tragedy is that sometimes we come in and that's the way even when we're sitting in the room with other people. We treat what we're doing more like a movie theater or an, maybe a night out at the theater, you know, to see a play than we do like a, a, a family living room. And there are, are for sure differences, um, but I, I think our mindset is we put more of sitting and watching television or a concert often, at least I guess we can talk about the Western church in general. We put more of that into um into what we do in a service. And, and we evaluate service like that. You know, some of it is, how did I feel about it? Did I have a good time? Was the message relevant? Did I get something out of this today? Um, and that, that often puts us in critic mode, the way we watch movies or read books. You know, it's like you, you get to the end of it and you rate it. Was this one, two, three, four, or five stars? And that's how I'm going to decide whether my church is worth something or not is does it consistently kind of get a five-star rating on on Sunday to Sunday, but that's not what church is. You know, it would it would feel weird to rate your daily family gatherings, wouldn't it? Like, or or it would feel weird to to put stars on top of like grandma's Sunday dinner. You know, going to grandma's house, yeah, four four stars this week. You know, the roast got a pot roast got a two stars. You know, she forgot to put the cornstarch in or in the gravy. Um, or I like to call it pot liquor. That's what it used to be when I was a kid. We had the pot liquor. Delicious. On rice every day, guys. I would eat it every day. Um, but it, it's, it would feel weird to do that. And yet, it, for some reason, it doesn't feel weird to talk about sort of how we rate the music or a sermon or just a gathering in general. Um, uh, and so I think that, that engaging the worship gathering and calling each other to engage the worship gathering is really a push to get us out of the information download, entertainment soaking environment and into the, wait a second, this is a family and, th- and we want more people in the family of God. So I'm going to look around for how to minister to people. Um, so that's what we mean by engage the worship gathering. 
And we see so much of that in Scripture even. Uh, I think a key passage, uh, in he- I think of Hebrews 10, and um, just how really it's not about, you know, it doesn't say don't, don't neglect to gather because you're going to miss out on some quality entertainment, folks. Uh, you're gonna you're you're gonna miss Onesimus on the liar. Oh you know? gosh, <laughs> uh, you should have heard Aquila and Priscilla on the keys. <laughs> That's right, magical. Right, it, it's so that we can encourage one another, and um, yeah. And so, Trevor, would you unpack kind of more the nuances of that of that passage? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hebrews 10.25 is a great one. It's it's probably the first one that comes to mind when we talk about a scriptural basis for, um, you know, why should I go to church? Um, and it says, I'll just read it, Hebrews 10.25, um, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. So, you know, what's what's going on here is you got... Um, uh, I mean, you have a direct command to say, one, this is about one another. In verse 24, we need to be provoking one another to love and good works. And that doesn't come through all of us sort of sitting down and listening to music and then listening to a sermon. Like there's some interaction among us when we gather. Um, and it, it just, you know, he highlights right here. People will get in the habit of not gathering together. I mean, this is the first century church. And and, you know, um, the writer of Hebrews, who I assume is a, is, is a leader in the early church, is saying, uh, guys, some of y'all ain't coming to the worship gathering. Like, we're, we're, you know, we're getting together at Priscilla's house, and I haven't seen you in a couple weeks. And, well, I've been on vacation or, well, you know. It, in a, what I'm trying to communicate is, like, that habit was alive and well 2,000 years ago. And it's still alive and well today. And so we, we should heed that. Um, additionally, one of the things about the New Testament that the, the entire New Testament just assumes that people aren't operating as individuals, um, which is difficult in our Western culture because we assume the opposite. Like we, we think, of course, I'm an individual with individual freedoms and can decide what I want to do with my Sunday morning. That's, that's our assumption. And then we sort of need to be talked into Oh, okay. Well, this is we have to explain authority and you know all of those things as Westerners because we we so highly prize our individuality and our personal um, air quotes freedom that we have to be talked into that. The people of the the people of the first century didn't have to be talked into like they had to be talked into sort of individually. They had to be talked into thinking of you know Jesus wants a personal relationship with you kind of stuff. Is like, but it's the the entire New Testament assumes. <clears throat> that people are going to gather together. Um, don't forget the early church was just, you know, under persecution and suffering, so they really longed to see each other. And when they got in a room, um, you know, I think about what w- the, the commands uh, when you gather together from Colossians and Ephesians of seeing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, encouraging one another. There's so much of the gathering that is intent on encouragement And think about that word encouragement. It's not like that. Oh, don't let the haters hate. That's a nice shirt. I don't care what they tell you. Like it's not that encouragement means I am lacking courage and you stir it up in me. And indeed, we find that in Hebrews 10, 24. Let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. So if the instructions about worship gatherings is about stirring up, provoking love and good works, and it's about um, it's about um, what's the word that I was just saying? Um, it has left me because I'm 42 years old. Um, 
uh, oh, encouraging. If it's about putting courage into someone, then we've got to be aware of the people around us and who might be fearful or who might be timid or who might be on just on the verge of unbelief. Or And we got to get in there. And you have to be observant to do that instead of going, maybe the pastor's message will get to them today. You go, no, 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 I engage here. And regardless of what the pastor's message is on, I can go over and ask you a question. Now, our hope is that always that the messages that are preached, because they center on Jesus, they center on the gospel, the good news, and the implications of that, our hope is that the sermon every week gives you fuel, both for yourself, but also to look to your neighbor um, and, and, and say, what's going on? How did, you, how did you take that? Did you hear that? What do you think about that? Which is something that we try to do in our community groups, but also, I think, ought to be in our worship gathering. And I love your reference to Colossians three. Um, I you know I've talked about on here and even on Sundays how Colossians three, Paul when he says let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, we read that with Western eyes. We say oh let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Western eyes read that and see that like as an individual you, but really it's a collective. He's addressing uh, the whole Colossian people. We actually. Our worship team, even long before I was a part of it, uh, was founded on that passage because worship was not seen as a performance. It was seen as a communal practice. And um, the way that we do that is not just singing uh, to the band or just to God. You know, of course, there is that individual aspect. Um, But when you're placed in a corporate context, you realize that you are enjoying God together. And I think, you know, some of my favorite moments um, is when I see some of our leadership, um, whether it's, you know, we as a staff, you know, try to, if we are not on stage, we try to sit towards the front and to lead in those physical postures of worship. Um, You know, I love just seeing our leaders stop and listen to the voices, you know, and uh, likewise, I think. Um, I think people recognizing value in um, seeing through suffering. Uh, there are many times I will look out and see um, people that I know are going through terrible suffering, but yet are choosing to worship, are choosing to say, you know what, my voice um, is needed today in this congregation uh, to encourage others. And I mean that is the epitome of cultivation over consumption, and so those are two of my just just seeing that passage play out in real time is incredible. Um, I love it. Uh, do you have any of those moments like that really capture your heart during the worship gathering? Yeah, I think I think that the the two that I think of like what I love to see um, in our worship gathering is one. One, while I'm preaching, is um, and I love to see people looking me in the eye. Uh, I love to see people nodding, um, sometimes nodding off, but uh, mostly, most of y'all are great listeners nodding. I could definitely pick out people, you know, who encourage me. Um, you know, preaching is not an easy thing to do. And so it's encouraging to me when I see people listening, taking notes, nodding, um, but you know, one, one thing I'd, I'd encourage our church to do, I've tried to be more vocal in this because I realize that, you know, I, I need to participate in this too, but I can't, you know, I, I already vocalize, you know, most Sundays 
because I'm the one giving the sermon, but get out of your comfort zone a little bit. And I, I love to hear when people are saying amen or yes, or, or that's true. Or, you know, that, that tells me that I'm connecting with you. And so some of you, you know, you might be, you might be being connected with, but I, I don't, I can't tell that or know that. And so it, it even helps me because I pray before I get up every week for a word of prophecy from the Lord. And what I mean by that is, Lord, let my words that, um, that I'm deriving from your scripture, from knowing you, let my words connect to someone in a situation in, in, in such a way that it is speaking directly into their situation. And, and it is, you know, we're to encourage one another. One of the ways you encourage me on the spot is let me know when that's happening. Just by being vocal, just by saying yes or oh yeah, I agree with that. Wow or oh, you know. Um, the other thing that I love is after, after the worship gathering is over, um, when I um, when I get down, I typically stand at the front or back, um, just for anyone that, that might want to talk. But I love when I see um, people praying over one another, because then I know. Um, I love to see people, I love to see our people talking, especially to, to new folks. Um, I love our see, to see our people interacting and talking to one another. Um, but when I, when I see people praying for one another, I know they've gone an extra step. Like, I know they've gone into, you know, I'm not going to worry about, I mean, Jacob, what other place, like, if you're afraid to pray for someone, like, this is, if you can't pray for someone in church, I don't know where you can pray for someone. You know what I mean? And I think we get in our heads, oh, this is going to be weird. And it's like, okay, let it be weird, but, but reason with that person. But if I can't lay my hands on your shoulder and pray for you in church, like you came to the wrong place, wrong address. You know what I'm talking about? Like th- this is where we should be doing this, and that's part of encouragement. So I love to see when someone has listened to someone, you know, tell a story about where they are in life or, or a trouble they have, and just a hand is laid on the shoulder, and there's, there's prayer being offered. Um, you, if you're listening to this, you're one of our covenant members. You have a power that I don't have, okay? I, I, I am the pastor, which means that, that comes with a blessing and a curse. Yes, it does sort of get me an ear, but it also, if I talk to someone or if our staff talks to someone, um, people tell themselves they talk to me because they, it's their job. If you talk to someone, it's a different story. So even though I can genuinely be interested in someone and genuinely pray for them, um, and, and sometimes people see that as an honor or whatever, you know, hey, the guy who just preached prayed for me, and, I, and I'm, I'm happy to do that. I love doing that. Um, but you have a power that I don't have because you're not the pastor, and that's a good thing. You, you, you are side by side. You just listen to the sermon. You just engaged in the gathering with them. You have the power of walking up and saying, hey, I see you're a little bit troubled. So if you see someone crying or back in the corner or alone, don't pass by assuming that the pastors are going to take care of this. Um, remember, it was, it was in the, sermon of the uh, uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. It was the pastors who had the problem. It was the Samaritan who was just on his way that, that stopped and, and ministered so you be ministers as you engage in the worship gathering, and I love um, to watch that happen and hear stories of that happening. Thank you, Trevor, for bringing that, bring those insights and that encouragement to engage the worship gathering. Now let's go over to one of our covenant members, Jenna DeMumbrian, to talk about how she engages the worship gathering on a, on a weekly basis as a covenant member. 
Well, Jenna, thank you for coming on the City Church Together podcast. Thanks for having me. And so how, uh, before we get into talking about engaging the worship gathering, um, how long have you been a covenant member of City Church? And how did you come to be a part of City Church? Yeah, so my family moved back to Murfreesboro um, in about 2015, and we started coming to City the following year. Um, we're friends with Trevor and them, <laughs> so wanted to check out Trevor's church. Um, but really, ever since we started coming, we knew that this was a place where the people genuinely loved each other and were there for each other, and we were just continually encouraged by the sermons and by the people and the community there. So I became a covenant member in 2017 when I was graduating uh, high school, headed into college. figured it was time to make that decision for myself. My parents were already covenant members, but yeah. And so since you've been uh, a covenant member, what has engaging the worship gatherings on Sunday mornings, what has that meant to you? And um, yeah, what has that meant to you? Yeah, I think growing up in church, you know, I always saw people raising their hands or, you know, shouting or just, I don't know, the typical Baptist worship. (laughs) And I think I, you know, came to a point of thinking, you know, I was on the worship team for a little bit and I really had to question, why am I doing this? Why do we do this? Why is it important to raise our hands or to even sing? Why are we even singing? Um, And I really came to wrestle with that and learn that having a posture of worship and being engaged in the worship gathering in that way is important because we're not just doing it for ourselves. It's not just me and God. It is in a sense of I am praising him, but it's also an example for those around us to see. Um, especially being at city, you know, there's a lot of people who know me, they know my story, they know my family, they know the suffering we've been through, they know my dad died. And so I think it's important for them to see what it looks like to physically worship God in a sense. And so, you know, learning that, you know, when my hands are open and they're by my sides or I So when my hands are open, it's an act of both receiving, but also just being humble and saying that I need these words. I need to, you know, singing, Lord, I need you singing just about God's faithfulness. I need to both be humble and also receive that. Um, So I think it's really connecting that head knowledge of, I know that God is faithful. I know that his promises are true, but how can I physically you know, put my body in a place to connect that head knowledge to heart. Um, so yeah, put lifting my hands high, you know, that is, I am proclaiming that he is good. I am lifting him up high, higher than myself physically, (laughs) you know, hands up my hands open at my sides. I'm receiving and I'm, you know, saying I'm humble. I'm, I'm your servant and I'm here to worship. That's awesome. I mean, and cause yeah, it, it can often feel, weird and if we don't know the reason why we have that have those postures and so i loved your explanation was very clear and concise appreciate that how would you encourage people who um, maybe aren't members of our church yet who maybe checking out our church or maybe they are members and you know especially in light of covid um are struggling to engage the worship gathering uh, whether 
you know, they're uh, live streaming or, you know, in the building with masks on, um, what, how would you encourage them um, to engage? Um, yeah, how would you encourage them to engage? Yeah, I think now more than ever, we really need each other. And, you know, being able to be in a physical space with one another has been such a blessing and so important, especially in the times of social distancing and having to stay home and be isolated. Um, Now that we're able to be together, I think it's even more so important to be able to communicate. Like, I am still worshiping God. I am still believing he is faithful. And I think a way that we can do that is by having those postures of worship um, in the service, is by singing loudly, is by, you know, responding with an amen, by clapping after the songs. You know, we don't just clap because it was a good song, you know. (laughs) We're clapping because we're responding that those words are true and they are good and so we're rejoicing. So I think a way that we can encourage one another um, in this time and um, in the building, even if we don't know each other, is by having those postures of worship. Like maybe I don't know this person's story across the room. Maybe they're new, but I can see that, you know, they are willing to allow themselves to be vulnerable. You know, raising your hands is kind of funny if you've never done it. (laughs) Um, But I think it's important just those small acts of faith, those small acts of bravery, I guess. Jenna, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing your encouragement and wisdom. 